All right, everyone. Welcome back to episode 22 of Barnick's Blazing Hot Podcast. Today, we're going to jump into a recap of the XFL week three, some free, uh, damn, week five. Um, we'll go into some NFL free agents, where they sign, a um, couple different things going on with that, and then I have some news-related topics towards the end, so stick around. All right, so starting off the XFL week five, we have a huge upset. Seattle Sea Dragons handed the Houston Roughnecks their first loss, not just this year, but I think it's their first loss ever. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, 21 to 14. Seattle has won three of their last three games, and they're on fire right now. Um, as far as the Roughnecks go, you know this was a bad loss for them, and you know they definitely need to get back on track and not let this you know affect them moving forward. Um, Seattle, they have the playmakers to do it. The first two weeks, they played two very close games against D.C. and St. Louis. And this could be a sleeping giant where, you know, the first couple weeks of the season, they were still trying to get the chemistry together, the guys together. And now that they're doing it, they're going to be a very formidable opponent. Next up, we have the Defenders beating the Battlehawks 28-20. Don't let this score fool you. It was out of hand. Um, until late in the game, DC had a stranglehold on St. Louis. Um, I would have went 0-2 on my picks because I would have picked Houston and I would have picked St. Louis in this game um, just because playing in St. Louis is tough. They have good fans, a loud environment, and I think that would have messed with DC, and it didn't. So that shows the maturity and um, the focus of DC to be the best team in the league, and they are the last undefeated team. As far as St. Louis goes, they've lost two out of the last three games, um, both coming to D.C., and I think that they need to get laser-focused because Seattle's catching up to them, and Seattle has played so much better than the beginning of the year, and in the first matchup with, uh, Se- excuse me, the first matchup between Seattle and St. Louis was 20-18 to in favor of St. Louis. I think it could be a lot different this time around. Next up, we have the Vipers beating the Guardians. Not much to say about this game other than um, we found out who the worst team in the league is. And finally, we have the Renegades beating the Brahmas 12-10. Listen, the Brahmas have been such a letdown. I thought that there was a lot that this team could have done to have been really good, and they just kind of haven't lived up to expectations. Arlington, on the other hand, um, they've got lucky that they faced some bad talent because they haven't faced really any good teams or beat really any good teams yet. Um, and I think that's one of the big issues is, you know, you're looking at a team right now that's three and two and they haven't played any good opponents that they've beat. So, um, you know, Renegades and Brahmas, they're both very similar teams. And um, in the second bout, things could be different. But um, I, I think that the Renegades are in good position to make the playoffs because of, you know, the weakness of their division having, um, you know, San Antonio and uh, Orlando in them. So next up, I'm going to do my um, power rankings. So at number one, I have DC. They have the second best point differential. They're 5-0 and and they do very, very well. Number two, going to have Houston. They have the best point differential. They just had a bad week, um, and they're the reigning champs. So, you know, they're going to come out swinging and be good in the playoffs. 
At number three, I am going to have the Sea Dragons. I think that they're on a tear right now, and things will be different when they play St. Louis again. Um, Number four is going to be St. Louis. Five will be Arlington. Six will be San Antonio. Seven will be Vegas. And eight will be the Orlando Guardians. Um, I don't see much of this changing other than Seattle and St. Louis, or if, uh, you know, DC would go on a, a very cold streak. Um, but I want to do a little preview of the next games coming up. So starting it off, we have the Sea Dragons versus the Guardians. I think that Seattle is starting to pick it up. Like I said, I think they're playing very, very well and they should win this game pretty easily. Um, next up is Battle Hawks and Vipers. Unless the Battle Hawks just don't come out swinging and, and playing like they usually do, they should move to four and two. Um, next game, Brahmas and Renegades. Wow, they play each other again in the following week, which is pretty crazy to me. Um, I'm going to take the Renegades here. I think they are a slightly better team, although their record shows that they are quite a bit better. Um, I don't know where they're playing, which I'm going to check. Choctaw Stadium. I want to say that that's in Arlington. Yep, it's in Arlington. So they're playing at home. Um, I think they'll come out with another win and pretty much wrap up their bid for the playoff seating right behind Houston. And finally, we have the biggest game of the year. The Houston Roughnecks versus the D.C. Defenders in D.C. Listen, D.C. has been lights out. And Houston is a really, really good team. I think that this is going to be, you know, back and forth. Um, It's probably going to be like a 28-26 type of game. I think this is a a championship preview. But I'm going to take the D.C. Defenders. I think they're running quarterback and their running game with the running backs is just going to wear down the Houston defense so they can squeak out a win at the end. Um, so that's it for the XFL this week. Um, I'm hoping I can go to the game on Monday, but I think I have a test. So unfortunately I won't be able to. Um, but other than that, really not much to talk about until we get closer to the playoffs because we're starting to see, um, other than the battle Hawks and the sea dragons, most of the teams separate themselves and form the playoff picture. All right. So next up, we'll move on to the NFL. Um, the Eagles lost C.J. Gardner-Johnson to the Detroit Lions. So there was some speculation going around or at least some um, confirmed news that you know the Eagles offered a three-year contract to C.J. Gardner-Johnson. They also offered a little bit bigger of a contract at the beginning of free agency. Um, it was to be more end-loaded but have guaranteed money. For whatever reason, C.J. Gardner-Johnson decided to take a one-year eight million dollar deal with Detroit not really sure what happened Um, he wanted to be in Philly and it is a big loss for the Eagles but you know if he wasn't going to work with them and you know allow them to match the offer or just kind of feel out what was going on um, I don't know that I have that much sympathy for him Um, listen Detroit's going to be a good team I think he'll have a good shot but you know the culture there in Philly um, if he didn't want to be there that's fine because you know, the Eagles can take their cap space that they have that they were going to pay him and they can go sign a Kevin Bayard from from Tennessee who wants out or, 
you know, they can sign an Adrian Amos or, you know, one of those safeties that's in the free agent bargain bin and they can draft another one so they can be younger at that position. Yeah, it sucks having CJ Gardner Johnson gone, but it sounded like he didn't make an attempt to be in Philly when all the other free agents that the Eagles retained wanted to be in Philadelphia. So, um, yes, I think he's a great player. Yes, I think he'll have a a good um, career wherever he goes now. But, you know, I think it is kind of crappy for him to to do that when the Eagles probably would have offered him a one-year $8 million deal. Um, next up, we have Adam Thielen going to the Panthers on a three-year deal. Um, this one's kind of crazy for me to wrap my head around because he's good. He's older, though. So I don't know why the Panthers would bring him in. First off, and, and why he would go to the Panthers. First off, they're not a contender. So if Adam Thielen thinks he's getting a Super Bowl, he's completely wrong. And if he thinks that he's going to put up big numbers, um, I don't know about that. He has a little bit of an injury history. He's older. His play has kind of declined. Um, and he's not going to be a number one receiver like DJ Moore is. So, or was in Carolina. So, um, this one was a little shocking to me. I thought that he for sure would have went to a contender where, you know, he could have been a number two or three receiver and, and really thrived. But, you know... Carolina probably offered him big money for, you know, what his age is and what he's actually worth. And, um, you know, good for him. I hope he has a good rest of his career, but I don't see him winning a Super Bowl there. Um, another big move was Brandon Cooks got traded to the Dallas Cowboys for, I believe, a fifth and sixth round pick. I love this move for the Cowboys. Um, they have CeeDee Lamb. They have Michael Gallup. Uh, they have one other receiver on there that they say is pretty decent. But to add Brandon Cooks, who is a very good number one receiver and can be a dynamic duo with C.D. Lamb is just fantastic at that um, low of a price. I mean, I hate giving the Cowboys credit, but this was a very good move on their part and definitely helps Dak Prescott. Um, Dalton Schultz, losing him really doesn't, but I think this kind of helps to make up for it. All right, next up, we have the Patriots, who have made some big moves. Um, first off, they signed Mike Gusecki. I think this is fantastic for Mac Jones going forward. You know, he's had Hunter Henry in his career, and Hunter Henry's good, but he's not fantastic. And I think Mike Gusecki has, you know, been underrated throughout his career so far because the Dolphins didn't utilize him the way he should be utilized. He is a big freaky athletic tight end that can catch a ton of balls and take a lot of pressure off Mac Jones. Um, this was a great signing, and I think Bill Belichick and that offense can do a lot with him. Now, you also have the Patriots who signed Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't know that I agree with this. Um, unless they go out and get a true number one receiver, um, Juju doesn't shine by himself. He needs a supporting cast around him. So hopefully the Patriots have some big moves um, ahead of them because they need a better receiver to pair with Juju since they lost Jacoby Myers. Um, but until that happens, I would grade the Juju deal probably a C and the Mike Gusecki an A+. I think it's fantastic for them. So not sure if I really discussed this because um, I kind of forgot what I discussed on the last podcast, but uh, Marcus Mariota is going to Philadelphia to be the backup. 
Like I said, when I was talking about where he could end up, I think this is a fantastic option for him. If anything would happen to Jalen Hurts, he is pretty much the same player as Jalen Hurts, just not as good. And I think that, you know, this could breathe some fresh air into, um, you know, his suitors that could potentially sign him um, in the future. So good for him. Good for Philly. I think this was a, a mutual benefit on both sides. And, you know, I'm excited to see what Marcus Mariota can do if the opportunity would ever arise. Also, um, I was I know I was talking about Darius Slay before, how the Eagles were going to cut him. Um, so what, what happened was the Eagles said they were going to cut Darius Slay because his cap hit was too much. Um, what happened was is both sides kind of said, yeah, we don't really want to go our separate ways. So they kind of messed around with his contract, lowered the cap hit, gave him an extension, and he is staying in Philadelphia, which is uh, very, very nice. The Eagles also signed James Bradbury and Fletcher Cox. I think this is great because they believe in James Bradbury. He's still young. They can get good value out of him. And I also think that signing Fletcher Cox, one-year, $10 million deal, yeah, he isn't as dominant as he used to be, and I fully understand that. But um, at the end of the day, he's still a very, very good interior defensive lineman. And for $10 million, you really can't find um, linemen for that cheap. So, you know, they're slowly bringing back guys that, you know, fit the culture, fit the team, and they're gearing up for another Super Bowl run. Next up, uh, we have Gardner Minshew, who signed with the Colts. Listen, I think in the right system, Gardner Minshew could really excel. I don't think it's with Indianapolis. Um, the whole reason is Indy doesn't have good receivers. They don't have a good tight end. And I really think that hurts them as far as, you know, giving Gardner Minshew a fair opportunity, um, although they do have a good run game. I think what's going to happen is he's going to come in for one year. They have him on a one-year $3.5 million deal. They also cut Matt Ryan. So he'll probably start a couple games. Um, Indianapolis is going to be abysmal again this year. And then whatever quarterback they end up taking in the first round will take over after a few games and you know, that's pretty much how it's going to go. So we also have Zeke Elliott, who just got cut by the Cowboys. Um, I think he could end up with, you know, maybe the Buffalo Bills, um, Tampa Bay, one of those other teams, also because Leonard Fournette is expected to get cut as well. Um, Darius Slayton was re-signed by the Giants. I think this is a good deal. He's an underrated receiver that... Um, can do a lot of good things and I think with Daniel Jones if they can continue to build a supporting cast around him he'll do really well uh don't know if I talked about it last time but Darren Waller got traded to the Giants and I think they gave up a third or fourth round pick for him that is crazy Darren Waller is just a phenomenal athlete and to lose him that loses a lot of support for Jimmy G and the Giants are going to have a very, very good pass catching option in Darren Waller. And, you know, that helps take some of the pressure off Daniel Jones and, you know, open up a Darius Slayton or um, a Sterling Shepard and whoever they might get in free agency or the draft that's still available. All right. So next up, I want to talk about uh, the NCAA wrestling tournament. 
we had a wild, wild, wild NCAA wrestling tournament with a ton of upsets. Um, the first upset being um, Ramos. I'm just going to say his last name because I don't know his first name. Um, he pinned Spencer Lee in the semifinals. Spencer Lee was the favorite to go win his fourth title, being on a list with, I believe, it's five or six guys. Um, and he lost, and it, it was huge. Like, people didn't realize, like, wow, this is a guy who's been dominant. Like, he won a finals on, you know, no ACLs, and he lost. Um, just just crazy. And while we're talking about four-timers, um, we have Yanni Diakamahalas beat Sammy Sasso to get his fourth title. Like I said, he's one of only five or six guys um, to ever do it. Um, you have Vito Arajo upset Roman Bravo Young, which was huge. Roman Bravo Young, senior, going for his third NCAA title. Um, this was one of the bigger upsets. And um, a couple other ones. You had Aaron Brooks win his third title. You had um, Levi Haynes for Penn State. And I'm just talking about Penn State, guys, because I'm a Penn State fan. Um, true freshman, he got second. Um definitely want to hear everybody's thoughts so the guy that he wrestled from i believe was north carolina he was a grad student and he's been in college wrestling since i want to say 2016 or 2017 and i don't know although levi haynes like wrestled good like dude this guy definitely just like had that old like that older wiser strength that you know uh an 18 year old kid didn't doesn't have so Definitely want to hear thoughts. I thought it was awesome for Levi Haynes to go to the finals. Um, I just thought it sucked that he lost to, you know, a graduate graduate student who's been there so long. Um, I don't know if I just said it, but Aaron Brooks got his third title. Um, Shane Van Ness, he was fighting. So there were a lot of good things. And then we have Carter Sirachi who got his third title. He is a junior and could come back for one more year. Um, the way he was talking, it sounded like he might not come back, but here's the thing. Going for your fourth NCAA is a huge deal, so um, that'll definitely be interesting news for Penn State next year to see if he comes back. Um, it kind of reminds me of the scenario with, you know, Gable Stevenson. Gable Stevenson was just so good at Stevenson, and he was just so good, and he won three NCAA titles, had one year left, and, and didn't come back. Um, I, I kind of have this feeling the way that uh, Starachi was talking in his post-game or post-match interview that he might not. And, you know, I think that's a shame. I mean, definitely he's got to do whatever he needs to do um, to be better for himself and, you know, to continue to grow. But four NCAA titles is no joke. So to be able to say, hey, I was that guy who did it, um, because here's the thing, as much as he, he wants to, he could say, oh, well, I would have won the title. Well, you know, look at Spencer Lee. Spencer Lee was one of the best college wrestlers, um, in the last couple years and he didn't win it. Um, you know, you have Roman Bravo Young who was going for three and didn't win it as a senior. So, you know, I think there's a lot of things that could be left up to interpretation. So I'm hoping he comes back. Um, Penn State won the team title. You know, they, I, I would say that they are the greatest college sports dynasty. I mean, 
I'd have to do some research and see if you know there's any other teams that have done what they've done, but I, I don't think so. Um, it's good for them. I was really, really impressed at Nebraska and Cornell. You know, they had a lot of guys that were competing and doing well. So um, the sport of wrestling is in good hands, and for those of you that watched, it was definitely a, a good time. All right, so wrapping up sports, I want to talk about the World Baseball Classic final. Um, Japan beat the United States yesterday. Um, definitely a little unexpected. I think a lot of people thought that the United States was going to win. Um, it came down to Otani versus Trout, which ended the game. Um, Trout ended up striking out. I will say this. Um, the United States had a lot of opportunities to score more runs, number one. And number two... Um, you know, when you're in the, the ninth inning and you know you need a single run, I know Mookie Betts was two for four, but you have a runner on first and there's a good opportunity that um, he could hit into a double play, which he did. You have to bunt the ball there. And then when Mike Trout gets up, that gives him the opportunity to not have to swing out of his shoes against Otani and, you know, try and make contact with the ball. And you're hoping that, you know, he can do enough with, um, Bobby Wilt on second base that he can make it home and there you go you have a tie ball game and you know you're likely going into extra innings then um, you know just something with the United States where sometimes we have to let our pride you know out the door and or at the door sorry and when you get into the game like you know it can't just be hey like you know we're gonna hit these balls like no you got to do what you need to do to win and um, that severely hurt the United States chances because you have Mike Trout going up with two outs instead of one out and a runner on second. And he's trying to swing out of his shoes against Otani who's throwing, you know, a hundred plus. With that being said, congrats to Japan. Um, they were definitely the underdogs in this and I don't think a lot of people thought that they were going to make it. And they have some very intriguing young prospects that, um, are going to end up in the MLB one day. So good for them. And the World Baseball Classic was fun. I will say, though, um, hopefully the United States can get you know some of these players to actually commit to the World Baseball Classic because the pitching staff we had compared to what we could have had was just wild. All right, so next up, for those of you that love the PlayStation 5, Sony is developing a PS5 Slim and a PS5 Pro. So if you don't know, PlayStation 5s during the pandemic were extremely hard to get. Um, there was a supply chain shortage of chips they needed to make these consoles. Um, the only way that you could get them was either through these random drops on Sony's website, Walmart, Target, or you just showed up. And that's what I did. I would show up to Walmarts at like 3 in the morning before everyone else would get there. I'd bundle up, go in, pay the money, and sell the consoles for like a grand and over a grand at some point. And I'm just going to say this. People will probably bitch and moan that, oh, well, you're a scalper. You did this. Well, I'm going to tell you this. There was not one person behind me in the line that was actually there to get these consoles and play them. They were doing the exact same thing. I kid you not. There was not one person that I saw that was out there that was waiting for a PlayStation 5 that was like, oh my God, I want to play this so bad. Every other person had that intention. So if you people want to think poorly of me, me, that's perfectly fine. 
you know, go ahead. Think whatever you want to think. Um, I'm not going to blink an eye at upselling PlayStation 5s when A, there was a huge market demand. B, like I said, everyone behind me in line was doing the same thing. And C, if I didn't do it, like I said, there were 30 other people waiting to do it. And if they wanted a PlayStation 5 that bad, then they can get up before me and go out and get it. So what I was leading into is these are probably going to be relatively easy to get since there is no chip shortage. Uh, maybe the first week or two it's a, it'll be a little difficult, but it'll ease up. Um, PlayStation 5s are just sit, sitting on the shelf right now. Um, but yeah, like I said, kind of backtracking. Um, you know, it was kind of like sports cards and anything else. You know, if you're going to make the effort to go out and do something that other people are going to do just because you're not lazy um, or you have information to do it, then then why not? It's the same thing with sports cards and, you know, some of that other crap like video games that completely just blew up, like vintage retro stuff. If you were able to find it cheap, you know, early bird gets the worm. You went to these stores, you went to um, yard sales, flea marketing, like all of those other places. So, you know, you can't, you can't say bad things about people that do that because they're willing to put in the time and effort to make a passive income. Um, what did I do it for? To make extra money so I could have money to spend on stuff I wanted. I wasn't doing it to say, hey, little kid, I know you want a PlayStation 5, but I beat you in line. That's that's not how it works. So, you know, I, I think people really need to rethink what was going on because, you know, the people that want to whine and complain about people that were going out and, you know, doing the hard work to get PlayStations and everything, they're the same people that just expected to walk into a Walmart or a Target or, you know, one of these other stores and just see it sitting on the shelf because they didn't want to put in the time or effort. So, um, like I said, that's a subject to me where like, if you're not doing it, somebody else will. And there are so many people that are willing to do it that there should be no complaints for people saying, Oh, like you're a scalper. You do this or you do that. Literally it's most of it. Like, especially with trading cards is like nostalgia and most of the people buying it are people that are like, I want to spend the money on this stuff. So they're willing to spend the money. They don't have to. And it's usually people that are also out there at 4 a.m., 3 a.m., showing up at 6 or 7 in the morning to Walmarts to get those cards, to get those video games. So most of the time it comes back in a loop. And people need to realize, just like with anything else, you have the opportunity to say no. You have the opportunity not to buy something. So don't worry about other people. And that's just all I have to say on that. Um, and I know I got away from the point, but you know, it's something I want to discuss for a while because it's like, why, why should I feel bad for being able to make money? So right now, until I get my job or until I accept my offer for when I graduate college, I'm making $15 an hour. Yeah. I, I live pretty comfortably. I live at home. Like, you know, I can spend my money on whatever I want. But if there's an opportunity for me to go and get more money, how's that any different from, how's that any different from, you know, going out and, you know, doing work for, 
um, like literally anywhere else. And that's just the point I'm trying to make is if you can be smarter than the system and you can have things go your way and be in your favor, do it. Don't listen to what other people have to say because they're the people that are probably jealous that you're out there succeeding and making money and doing cool things and, you know, exploring and having a good time and they just don't want to see you succeed. So that's all I got to say on that. So uh, for you baseball fans, um, especially Philly fans, look away. Um, Reese Hoskins was fielding a ground ball um, towards the outfield and right field. Um, you know, one of those where he would have turned around and you know tried to make a miraculous throw in spring training. And he literally flew awkwardly on the ground after kicking his leg out. Um, non-contact injury. It speculated that he tore up his leg, his ACL, MCL, something along those lines. So um, definitely a huge blow to the Philadelphia Phillies this year. Um, Reese Hoskins has played very, very well, especially offensively. Um, if he is done for the year, you know, the Phillies may explore a trade possibility or, um, you know, they'll bring Derek Hall up for a majority of the year to play. Um, some people said that Alec Bohm might move over to first base, and uh, I would assume Edmundo Sosa would take over the duties at third. That's just one of those deals where as time uh, moves on, we'll be able to tell, but you know, definitely hoping Reese Hoskins get better, gets better. Um, this was a big year for the Phillies and a big year for him. So, um, you know, this definitely hurts him having to be sidelined. The last thing I want to say about the quote-unquote scalping is the the only time that I sit there and say, yeah, this isn't right, is kind of like during the pandemic when, you know, I wouldn't say hand sanitizer so much because you don't really need that to live. But when people were buying up, you know, this lady came into Wise when I worked there and bought 30 gallons of milk or all the toilet paper, or all this other stuff. Like, that's what I'm trying to say is like the stuff that you need to live and is going to be hard. Like people are just buying it up like crazy is just, yeah, that's not right. But stuff that people don't need and they're willing to pay. Well, how is that your fault? It's supply and demand, which, you know, that brings me into my next subject is why do people, you know, when they hear there's a snowstorm, okay, this this isn't the 60s anymore where you get snowed in for days because you don't have the technology we have. Um, why do people run to the stores and literally buy everything? Why is there always a panic? They act like the grid's going to go down. Like this is the 60s or 70s where you literally have, you know, no stable foundation that could go down at any time with bad weather or an incident. Um, and then again, you know, people who are smart should have a stock of canned food at their house because canned food takes so long to go bad. And if you have that there, then why do you need to rush to the store and buy everything on God's green earth? Um, it just doesn't make sense to me. Cause like whenever they said there was snow and I was working at wise, dude, the store would be jam packed. And it's like, you've got to be joking me. We're supposed to get eight inches of snow, which you need to last one day with the food in your house. And you think that you're not going to be able to, that's just a shame of it all. Like people just don't know how to live anymore. Like without, you know, having something ready that they know they have, like stock up, you don't have to stock up that much. Like you're not going to be, 
you're not going to be uh, locked in for eight years, but you know, whatever. All right. So getting off that topic, next up, I want to do a product service review, whatever you want to call it. So at work, I want a $25 gift card to Dunkin' Donuts. When I saw the gift card, I was like, damn, I don't like Dunkin' Donuts. I've been there like twice and it's just overpriced for stuff that's not very good. So I'm like, all right, got a gift card. I'll go use it. I got a bacon, egg and cheese bagel, which is okay. Nothing fantastic. Still a little expensive, uh, five bucks and it's not even close to being as good as McDonald's. I got these little balls, these little, I guess they're called biscuit balls or whatever. And they're supposed to have egg, cheese, and bacon. Well, the outside was warm and you bit in the middle was like almost ice cold. And it's like, okay, that's, that's nice. Um, what else did I get? Oh, I was going to get their sourdough uh, breakfast sandwich, but I opted to go for one of the tacos. I said, Hey, like if there's peppers on this, please don't put the peppers on. Um, I guess they didn't understand and put the peppers on. So I looked in it and I'm like, Oh, I'm not eating this. So I pull up to the window after ordering. There is not a single person in line. There's not a single person inside of the store in line. And everyone there is just talking. It takes about six minutes just to get the couple items that I got. And then I got this like frozen drink, which isn't very good. I'd rather just go pay a dollar at McDonald's than four bucks at Dunkin' Donuts for a, a slushy type deal. So <clears throat> I'm waiting there and the guy's like, do you need something? After the lady at the window was already rude and, you know, just acting the way that people do. And I said, yeah, I said, I got a frozen drink. And I said, it's been like 10 minutes in line now and there's not a single person here. Like, how long does it take? And he's just like, oh, well, let me go get it for you. So the guy that was working the window, there were like six people in there working. He was the only one actually doing something and everyone else was just talking and hanging out. And it's like, wow. So this isn't just about the food and the drinks, which are overpriced. They are not that good. Um, you can go to McDonald's or Wendy's or Taco Bell or Burger King, and you can get better options on pretty much any single item that they have at a cheaper price and their customer service sucks. So Dunkin' Donut, Donuts, two out of 10, would not go there. Um, haven't tried any of their um, specialty drinks that they make, and I don't think I will because I just, I don't like Dunkin' Donuts and I don't think I'll ever go back. All right, so I wanna go on a little bit of a rant. So I'm gonna give two different backstories here and why I'm going on the rant. So number one, I went over to pull a sticker off my buddy's car that I put on and you know, whatever, a joke and everything. And I'm leaving the apartment complex where he lives. And in the middle of the road where you're turning out and it's already narrow enough where you have issues having two cars drive, I could barely pull out because the people who were there decided, hey, we're just going to throw in our four ways and we're just going to sit there. Takes me to my next scenario. Last night, I was helping out a food drive. After I was done, I went to get some food like a normal person. 
So as I'm leaving, the person who's going to be involved in this story was saying something to the staff members at this restaurant or fast food establishment. And she walks into the back kitchen to talk to these people and they're like, get the hell out of the kitchen. You're not supposed to be here and you know this. So I just, I'm just shaking my head as I'm walking out because I'm like, people are just so stupid. Well, this same person decided that they were going to park right behind me and put their four ways on when there's literally like 30 parking spots and there's even disabled spots if this person was disabled, which I doubt they were. And I could barely back out. And I'm, I'm like, you've got to be joking me. So I rolled down my window and I let them have it. It's like, Park in a, in a regular spot like everybody else. It doesn't matter if you're door dashing. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, just there for two seconds. Pull into a parking spot. That's how it works. And back home, it's the same deal. People just put on their four ways and they just sit in the middle of the road and inconvenience everybody else and make it so much harder to drive. And that's the issue. You know, people think they're so entitled to, hey, you know what, I'm just gonna put on my four ways, I don't have to worry about it. Like, I used to deliver pizza, and if I couldn't find a spot, you better believe I would pull down the street or I'd keep circling around to find a different spot because I'm not gonna do that to people. It's already hard enough driving with these idiots on the road, and then you have to worry about people just sitting in their cars in the middle of the road because they're too stupid or too lazy to pull into a parking spot and you're putting people at a disadvantage because they're trying to drive differently than how they would. Because when there's a there's two lane roads for a reason, and, and I'm talking specifically, I believe it's Walnut or Cumberland Street in Lebanon. So, because there's so much traffic there. So if you put on your four ways and you stop right in the middle of the road, well, that really hurts people that are driving in that lane of traffic and then they have to try and get over on a busy road. So, you know, that's just the issue that I have. Like half these people that have their driver's licenses, dude, they drive like idiots. You know, they're running red lights, they're running stop signs. You can tell they're not paying attention to what they're doing on the road. Like there's so many factors that go into driving and it's more just listen to the rules and obey what's going on and understand like common knowledge. Just because you have four ways doesn't mean you should put them on in the middle of the road and inconvenience every other person. So that's the last bit of the rant I'm gonna go on. I mean, this same thing happened twice yesterday and that's what kind of set me off. And at the end of the day, I'm just kind of like, why, why should people have to deal with this? that are trying to go about their lives and do their things. Like, why should we have people that don't want to obey the rules or be, you know, normal drivers? So that's all I have to say on that.